Hello world, this is Roger Corvale and this is For the Hope. Here we read through the Bible conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. When you are with a group of people, what would cause you to be missed when you are not there? Hey, Hopeful. Welcome to For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we consider our own life and work stories in light of the real story, God's story. And happy Saturday. And another day of Roger on the road, getting it done via my phone, and looking forward to being back in my studio here in a couple days. In our New Testament segment today, you're going to hear a heartfelt goodbye. And that's why I asked that opening question. When, when you're with a group of people, what would cause you to be missed when you're not there? Today, honestly, the text isn't really going to give us an answer to that per se, but generally I put it in the area of skill that I call connectorship. But remember something we read yesterday when Paul told this to the people and leaders at Ephesus. He says, and now I commit to you, commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. And in the closing reflection segment today, I will share a nugget I picked up with Brene Brown last night that I hope helps answer that question. But let's get after it. Acts chapter 21. After we tore ourselves away from them, we set sail straight for Cos, the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patara. Finding a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, we boarded and set sail. After we sighted Cyprus, passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria and arrived at Tyre, since the ship was unable uh, was to unload its cargo there. We sought out the disciples and stayed there for seven days, and through the Spirit they told Paul not to go to Jerusalem. When our time had come to an end, we left to continue our journey, while all of them, with their wives and children, accompanied us out of the city. After kneeling down on the beach to pray, we said farewell to one another and boarded the ship, and they returned home. When we completed our voyage from Tyre, we reached Ptolemy, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. And the next day we left and came to Caesarea, where we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. This man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. <laughs> I love that little line just being thrown in. Doesn't say anything else. Oh, they had four virgin daughters who prophesied. After we had been there for several days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. He came to us, took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet, and said, This is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him over to the Gentiles. When he heard this, both we and the local people pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. And then Paul replied, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am not only ready to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Since he would not be persuaded, we said no more except, The Lord's will be done. After this, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem, and some of the disciples from Caesarea also went with us and brought us to Nason of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we were to stay. When we reached Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters welcomed us warmly, 
The following day went, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. And After greeting them, he reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard it, they glorified God and said, You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are who have believed, and they are all zealous for the law. But they have been informed about you, that you are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to abandon Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or to live according to our customs. So what is to be done? They will certainly hear that you've come. Therefore, do what we tell you. We have four men who have made a vow. Take these men, purify yourselves along with them, and pay for them to get their heads shaved. Then everyone will know that what they were told about you amounts to nothing, but that you yourself are also careful about observing the law. With regards to the Gentiles who have believed, we've received, we have a written letter containing our decision that they should keep themselves from food, sacrificed to idols, from blood, and from what is strangled, and from sexual immorality. So the next day, Paul took the men, having purified himself along with them, and entered the temple, pronouncing the completion of the purification days when the offering would be made for each of them, and when the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the province of Asia saw him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd, and seized him, shouting, Fellow Israelites, help! This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people, our law, and this place. What's more, he has also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian in the city with him, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. And with that, we're just going to... Now, the whole city was stirred up, and the people rushed together. They seized Paul, dragged him out of the temple, and at once the gates were shut. As they were trying to kill him, word went up to the commander of the regiment that all Jerusalem was in chaos. Taking along soldiers and centurions, he immediately ran down to them, and seeing the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander approached, took him into custody, and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He asked who he was and what he had done, and some of the crowd were shouting one thing and some another. Since he was not able to get reliable information because of the uproar, he ordered Paul to be taken into the barracks. And when Paul got to the steps, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd, for the mass of people followed, yelling, Get rid of him! And that is Acts 21, 1 to 36. And for the sake of time and happy Saturday, I'm just going to dive right into uh, chapter 36 of the book of Jeremiah. And we'll have to come back to some of that next week. In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Take a scroll and write on it all the words I have spoken to you concerning Israel, Judah, and all the nations from the first time I spoke to you during Josiah's reign until today. Perhaps when the house of Judah hears about all the disaster I am planning to bring on them, each one of them will turn from his evil way. Then I will forgive their iniquity and sin. So Jeremiah summoned Baruch, the son of Neriah, and at Jeremiah's dictation, Baruch wrote on a scroll all the words the Lord had spoken to Jeremiah. Then Jeremiah commanded Baruch, I am restricted. I cannot enter the temple of the Lord. So you must go and read from the scroll, which you wrote at my dictation, 
the words of the Lord in the hearing of the people at the temple of the Lord on the day of fasting. Read his words in the hearing of all the Judeans who are coming from their cities. Perhaps their petition will still be come before the Lord, and each one will turn from his evil way, for the anger and fury that the Lord has pronounced against his, this people are intense. So Baruch son of Neriah did everything the prophet Jeremiah had commanded him. At the Lord's temple he read the Lord's words from the scroll. In the fifth year of Jehoiakim son of Josiah king of Judah, in the ninth month, all of the people of Jerusalem and all those coming in from Judah's cities and into Jerusalem proclaimed a fast before the Lord. Then at the Lord's temple, in the chamber of Gemariah, son of Shaphan, the scribe, in the upper courtyard at the opening of the new gate of the Lord's temple, in the hearing of all the people, Baruch read Jeremiah's words from the scroll. When Micaiah, son of Gemariah, son of Shaphan, heard all the words of the Lord from the scroll, he went down to the scribe's chamber in the king's place. All the officials were sitting there, Elishama the scribe, Deliah son of Shemaiah, Elnathan son of Akbor, Gemariah son of Shaphan, Zedekiah son of Hananiah, and all of the other officials. And Micaiah reported to them all the words he had heard when Baruch read from the scroll in the hearing of the people. Then all the officials sent word to Baruch through Jehudi son of Nethaniah, son of Jelamiah, son of Cushi, saying, Bring the scroll that you read in the hearing of the people and come. So Baruch son of Neriah took the scroll and went to them, and they said to him, Sit down and read it in our hearing. So Baruch read it in their hearing. When they had heard all the words, they turned to each other in fear and said to Baruch, We must surely tell the king all these things. Then they asked Baruch, Tell us, how did you write down all these words? At his dictation? And Baruch said to them, At his dictation. He recited all these words to me while I was writing on the scroll in ink. The officials said to Baruch, you and Jeremiah must hide and tell no one where you are. Then, after depositing the scroll in the chamber of Elishama the tribe, scribe, the officials came to the king at the courtyard and reported everything they uh, in the hearing of the king. The king sent Jehudi to get the scroll, and he took it from there to the chamber of Elishama the scribe, and Jehudi then read it in the hearing of the king and all the officials who were standing by the king. Since it was the ninth month, the king was sitting in his winter quarters with a fire burning in front of him. And as soon as Jehudi would read three or four columns, Jehoiakim would cut the scroll with the scribe's knife and throw the columns into the fire in the hearth until the entire scroll was consumed by fire in the hearth. As they heard all these words, the king and all his servants did not become terrified or tear their clothes. Even though Elnathan, Delias, Gemariah had urged the king not to burn the scroll, he did not listen to them. Then the king commanded Jeremiel, the king's son, Sariah, son of Azrael, and Shelemiah, son of Abdeel, to seize the scribe Baruch and the prophet Jeremiah. But the Lord hid them. After the king had burned the scroll and the words Baruch had written at Jeremiah's dictation, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, Take another scroll and once again write on it the original words that were on the original scroll that King Jehoiakim of Judah burned. You are to proclaim concerning King Jehoiakim of Judah. This is what the Lord says. You have burned the scroll asking, Why have you written on it that the king of Babylon will certainly come and destroy this land and cause it to be without people or animals? Therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning King Jehoiakim of Judah. He will have no one to sit on David's throne. His corpse will be thrown out to be exposed to the heat of day and frost of night. 
I will punish him, his descendants, and his officers for their iniquity. I will bring on them, on the residents of Jerusalem, and all the people of Judah, all the disaster which I warned them about, but they did not listen. Then Jeremiah took another scroll and gave it to Baruch son of Neriah the scribe, and he wrote on it at Jeremiah's dictation all the words of the scroll that Jehoiakim, Judah's king, had burned in the fire. And many of the other words like them were added. All right, that's chapter 36. And as I mentioned yesterday, we're kind of skipping around for the chunks of Jeremiah that kind of hang together. So this is chapter 45, kind of a shorty. The words message, the Lord's message to Baruch. This is the word that came to, that the prophet Jeremiah spoke to Baruch, son of Neriah, when he wrote these words on a scroll at Jeremiah's dictation in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Judah, king of Judah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to you, Baruch. You have said, Woe is me, because the Lord has added misery to my pain. I am worn out with groaning and have found no rest. This is what you are to say to him. This is what the Lord says. What I have built, I am about to demolish. And what I have planted, I am about to uproot. The whole land. But as for you, do you pursue great things for yourself? Stop pursuing, for I am about to bring disaster on all humanity. This is the Lord's declaration. But I will grant you your life like the spoils of war wherever you go. And uh, there you go, my friends. Chapters 36 and 45. All right. Uh, One shorty little psalm for our wisdom segment today is Psalm 133, a song of ascents of David. How delightfully good when brothers live together in harmony. It is like fine oil on the head, running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard onto his clothes. It is like the dew of Hermon falling from the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has appointed the blessing, life forevermore. There is a key aspect of our long-term eternal hope, right? What is the blessing? Life forevermore. But more appropriately or accurately, life forevermore with renewed relationship and intimacy with God. So speaking of connection, uh, Brené Brown defines connection this way. This is from her new book, Atlas of the Heart. She says, I define connection as the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued, when they can give and receive without judgment, and when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. And uh, just by way of reminder, that verse that I read from for you earlier that was from yesterday, Paul, to the Ephesus leaders, and now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. Now, here's a key, my friends. I'll just state it, and then I'll add a little context, and we'll be done. A key here from a Christian worldview is to not conflate identity with sin. I'm going to say that again. Don't conflate identity with sin. In other words, you do want to bring you to the table, and you do want to seek the same in others. 
right? Meaning I'm looking for the good, uh, I'm looking for the authentic you. But in the Christian world view, belonging is first, and defined, everything else is defined by this, belonging is first that you have been adopted, like a family legally adopting a child. You've been adopted into the family and bride of Christ. You're a child of the king. Your identity isn't the sinful thing you were or still struggle with. You with me there? So when when we are wanting to see and hear and value someone else in the process of you know making you know connection and f- creating belonging take care to connect with what is the good and the true and the beautiful and that's where you'll both find and bring strength and none of us uh, and none of those things none of the good true and beautiful will ever celebrate or affirm sin sin or temptation and i don't mean affirm not saying you know not that we don't we're not going to deny that somebody might have temptation or sin but do you know what I mean? We're not affirming it as, oh, that's good and true and beautiful because it's part of you. You with me? There's a difference between grace and affirming sin as true. So, again, as Brene Brown says, if connection is the energy that exists between people when they feel seen and heard and valued, and when they can give and receive without judgment, and when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship, just remember, it's important that in the context of the relationship with God, whose word will be consistent with the goodness and truth and beauty that we should connect with, we should connect upon that foundation, goodness and truth and beauty. And in so doing, I promise you, because it's God's words, not mine, that you will be missed when you're not there. I love you, my friends. Hope, the, hope your weekend's great. Amen? Amen. Amen.